Well, we're talking today a little bit about the church, and what led us to this conversation, right, was that we were talking about, we are looking to do some healing events at different locations, and you remember what you said after that, Corey? I think it's a key, a key part about sometimes churches, how do they feel when another ministry says, hey, I'd like to come in and use your building, or... Um, I'd, I'd like to come in and can we borrow your your facility for a night? What usually happens? Uh, my first thought was just that they're going to be reluctant to let some outside ministry just join in like that. Yeah, and what do you think causes that? Um, I guess, I don't know, maybe fear. Maybe they're wanting to do things their way and they don't really, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, this is kind of where we, this kind of started from is just trying to figure out, okay, where is the church today? And I know this is uh, perhaps somewhat of a controversial topic to discuss. We're absolutely wanting to put this out up front. We're not downing the church. We're not saying that the bride is a is broken. The bride of Christ is absolutely uh wonderful and beautiful, and there are wonderful believers within the body of Christ. And so that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about what has happened that's caused the church to shift from the body of believers to the building of believers, and the building not building them up, but the building as a structure. Like, when did the church become more about a facility than a family? And that's kind of where this all began, because we were just kind of talking about, you know, I think what's interesting is, is if you, as we were talking, I was thinking, okay, so here's the struggle, right, is you have a ministry who says, hey, we want to have a healing uh, revival, of a, 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 a night of praise. You go to a church, we don't all have to have a building, Right. There are great buildings already out there. Do we really need to pour more money into a building a building? Why not just allow the body of Christ to use the buildings that are already there? And yet, what we start kind of realizing is, is some churches don't want to do that. Why? Because they're selfish? No. Uh, why? Because they are uh, territorial? I don't think so. But probably because they have become too big of a corporation. And what happens if we let this other group in, then there's a lot of logistical issues, right? Yeah. And some of those logistical issues are, well, liability. Hmm. What if we let these people in and somebody gets hurt? Who's going to pay the insurance? Who's liable? rather than perhaps trusting in the Lord and saying, okay, does he lead us to do this? Sometimes the topic, uh, uh, the next concern might be is, well, if we let this other, those other folks use our building, then what do we do with our own people? What if they actually start to like what happens here better than in our own church? 
And so then there's a bit of a competition there of trying to figure out, okay, are we really interested in just helping people be saved and finding freedom for those in the body? Or are we more concerned about what I like to call butts and seats? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it. You know, you've heard, right, from us, Corey, many times about how it gets discouraging when we have a small show rate or we have an event and there's not many people who show up. But Jesus, uh, I think, never worried about the numbers. I think God never called David to take the census, right? And so I think it's the corporate mind that starts to implement this belief that somehow we have to compete for the number of people who attend and the number of people who attend who then give and the number of and the, and the amount of money given then gets to go to build bigger churches which make us feel more successful. Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably true a lot a lot of the time and it just seems like it becomes more about something else. And it's probably really easy to get caught up in in that kind of you're in your own little church community and everyone has their ideas. And I I could see how it could just turn into that. And uh, I mean, I don't really know what would be a way to change that. Well, I think, whoa, I think to change it would mean, in my opinion, to change a, a mindset. You know, um, you had said something I really loved earlier. I think I put it on our notes about, you know, when a church begins to become more corporate minded, it narrows their ability to actually talk about the area of sin and healing Mm -hmm. because they like to stay only in the comfortable places rather than going to the places that are not so comfortable because then people might be offended. So I know I want to come to that place. I, I think how do you prevent it is I think it's a, it's, a, it's a mindset change. I think churches begin to really stand on the word of God that says, I don't worry about what, about what might offend as much as I go to the places of what the Holy Spirit lays on my heart. And I don't really lend out our building based upon a belief as to how this person might sue us later or have some sort of liability here, but what does the Holy Spirit lead me to do? And I just want to say, I know not all churches are like this, but I think in our ministry, what we've begun to see is like this, this bit of transition in churches because we work a lot with sexually broken folks. And so especially in the area of homosexuality, we see a lot of churches kind of falling off the cliff of, you know, um, I guess the word would be tolerance, falling off the cliff of politically correctness. You know, what do we say here? So falling off the cliff meaning they, they just don't have an, a response to it or they don't talk about it or... Or they actually fall off the cliff and become very politically correct. Oh, I see. And become ver- very uh, tolerant of, well, maybe God doesn't really call this a sin. 
Yeah. And if we're not to talk about this sin, then maybe we really shouldn't talk about the sin here as well. Maybe we'll just keep talking about relationships and God's love. But what about the other sides of God, including his judgment and um, ultimately, you know, Jesus's verses in the Bible that talked a lot about, you know, away from me, you evildoer, for I never knew you. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some things that are also difficult to go to. Yeah, I think uh, if the church, if that mindset is that this is like a business, that's just inevitable that the the beliefs are going to start changing in in order to please the customer in a way. And so <laughs> that's a great way to put it. So. And isn't that interesting because pleasing the customer – and please understand, we're just kind of bringing something to light here. I mean, you know, light is a good thing. So we're just kind of talking about it and bringing it to a bit of a light. If you don't believe you do this, that's up to you. But what I think is interesting is pleasing the customer is not something we get to in an hour. Pleasing the customer is something that transitions over time. And I guess what I mean by that is the very first, you know, we may not even realize we're becoming more of a corporation than a church immediately. It's like, yeah, as a church even, you want to please the people who are there. You want to make them comfortable. You want the pews to be comfy. You want the music to be good. All those things are a blessing. But it's when those things take over from the Word of God and the truth of God And then ultimately, well, now we care more about, you know, should we have a larger sanctuary? Should we have three services? If we have three services, then we have to make sure that we only have praise and worship for eight minutes instead of just when the Holy Spirit leads. Because if we don't, you know, if we don't listen, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, what if he says to keep these folks for 20 minutes versus 12, and yet our parking lot gets full, so we got to figure out how those things work. And I get all those things are real logistical problems. I'm just saying, what if by chance that has slowly transitioned a church into becoming more of a corporation that cares more about numbers and facilities and offerings of services rather than preaching the Word of God and the truth that comes from it? Yeah. It's kind of a crazy place. Yeah. <clears throat> and earlier you mentioned uh, a couple verses about uh, the milk versus the solid food. So that's kind of what I thought of. Yeah, why there. don't you read that one? Um, let's see. I think it was was it the one in Hebrews we liked or the other one? Pick your pick your favorite. All right, I'll just read the one uh, in First Corinthians three first. Okay. So, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. I think that's a good stopping place. I think milk, I think it's okay to say, as what it's talking about there, is milk is is worldly. It's the beginning. Excuse me. I don't know that I'd say that. I'm not saying milk is worldly. I'm saying you can't stay in milk, right? I mean, imagine I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man. Imagine if I still carried a bottle of milk around with me. 
at some <laughs> point, that would seem a little strange, right? Right. Because then I would never get used to eating solid food and allowing my body to process solid food. So what does drinking milk all the time do? It makes you soft. It makes you unable to process truth and the meat of the word. That's good. And so sometimes what happens is I think in our corporate churches, as our, in our corporate ministries, it becomes this thing where, well, I sacrifice the meat because that might offend versus the milk of just the beginning. So then you have a bunch of, mm. of immature Christians going to church every day. And that's where it, it really does make me sad. It's not about trying to criticize. It's a sadness that says, what if, what if there are people who get stuck there in just believing that, well, I'm getting fed, but all I really ever get is milk? So, just so I can understand this, the milk is kind of, is for new believers to just kind of start out. I mean, because what happens if a new believer just goes straight for the solid food? What, I'm just curious what that... Well, most likely, in my experience, when this when the new believer goes straight for the solid, or they're tried to, they're or they're told by a well-meaning ministry or pastor that they they jump right into the meat with that with that new believer, then it's very hard for them to understand it. They're not at mm-hmm. that place of having the understanding of who Christ is and 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 who God is to fully grasp the meat, you know, but. You know, our, our churches, our, our, the body of Christ is supposed to be always maturing. You know, I mean, you and I have, have a walk. We all have a walk with the Lord. And he wants us to mature to the places of greater understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me just ask you a question, you know. If you... If you look back from the day you believe that you accepted Christ the first time to today, would you say that Corey has matured? Yeah. I, I would as well. I mean, not that I knew you back then, but I, I've watched your walk now, so that's a maturing process. And I've watched you wrestle with hard things in the Bible. And so I think that's the beauty of what God calls us to. Same for me. When I was eight years old and first saved, if someone had told me some of the things I know now about God, that would be a difficult thing to fully understand. And I think that's okay to say it's great to have some places of milk. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think our corporate world is constantly trying to make people comfortable. And comfort is stunting the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, it's important to look at, are there some people who don't fully understand even the salvation process because they're so fed on milk, on the milk of, well, if I go to church every Sunday, if I confess my sins to my priest or my pastor, if I do the things that I'm told, then somehow that's the relationship with Christ, then that's a great milky place to start, but it's not the permanent place of, okay, now you only love for now because Jesus first loved you. Oh, that's a whole new meat verse, right? That's like, okay, how do I fully grasp that? 
And that's, I guess, what I'm looking at or what I think we're trying to kind of just flesh out today is what happens to some of the churches today that struggle with telling people what they don't want to hear that might lead to a good, hearty meal with meat versus telling them what they do want to hear, which is kind of still milky. Does that make sense? Yeah. So why does that happen? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. You asking me or you want to answer that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I guess something that this is kind of a little bit of a detour, but going from the milk to the solid food, for me, I could see a stronghold there as far as <clears throat> not knowing the truth about who I am in Christ or not being able to understand that or getting stuck in a like a religious kind of mindset. Amen. And so maybe that can just bring on a whole lot of problems for a church to to go that deep all the time because you know, I'm just speculating, but people are at different places and they're dealing with different issues that it should be more, I guess, of a personal or maybe a discipling kind of thing that is going on while everyone is maturing and the the preaching is filled with truth and meat as well as, you know. Amen. Know. And that's truth. I think that's truth. I think that is part of the journey of those who know meat is to help those who are still on milk to mature. You know, I, I, I get you there. I mean, it's hard for a church to know how do I just stay in meat? Because what if there's folks here that don't get this? My personal thought is, is, you know, do you, do you always play flag football because there's a couple of new folks who don't know how to play really tackle football? Or do you lead those people who know flag football into the places of, foot, of tackle football? You know, if you're always going back to the beginning, then the people who've already gone to the beginning stay weak, mm -hmm. and the ones who are in the beginning never get pressed to pull forward into the new places. You know, I, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's a great balance, and I love having, that's why I like this conversation, is the balance is, is hey, you don't get it, come find someone. You know, the older folks are meant to mentor the, the younger folks. The meat eaters are supposed to help carry the milk eaters and, I mean, milk drinkers. And so I think that's the great thing about the body of Christ and family. I think sometimes, though, when our churches begin to do nothing but focus on the comfortable, then I think that's where people start to get comfortable in the milk and they're never pressed to something new. Yeah. Yeah, and I think probably um, once a church is in that place, it's probably really hard to come out of because you're going to start losing people, I'm guessing. Absolutely, because I think when you start calling people on their sin and actually really holding people accountable to their sin, then it's no longer comfortable. You know, yeah. Uh, it's like one time we were attending a church, and you know, Shay and I have a story of freedom from homosexuality, and 
you know, we had done a video and we were going to share the video and someone made a comment about, well, they'd seen portions of the video and they said, well, and it was a fairly large church. They said, well, that doesn't make for good uh, lunch conversation after church. Well, I think, you know, that's interesting is all I'm saying is that is I believe the beginning of the end for a church is because when you can't have true, honest conversations about, you know, what is really meant by freedom, what is really the struggles that people go through, you know, what is really going on in people's lives. And you can't have those honest conversations because, oh, it doesn't work at Luby's after lunch while I'm eating my baked fish and mashed potatoes to have that kind of conversation then you end up saying, well, then what other conversations can we not have? Well, we we can't really talk about sin, you know. We can't really talk about, you know, that there's a a couple in our church that's looking at divorce, and yet no one's really going to them to help because, oh, well, divorce just happens in our world today, rather than saying, do you know that God hates divorce? Do you know that, you know, that God wants you to try to heal your relationship and work in it? You know, that's a truth in the Bible. He does hate divorce and he wants to heal. Oh, but you know what? I've got to set up boundaries and I've got to, you know, make sure that I don't get hurt again. Okay. But as a body of Christ, how do we deal with hurt? Or do we just go to the worldly advice and say, oh, it's okay. You don't have to even deal with it. Just get away from it. You know, it's trying to understand what is what is the truth that God wants us as a church to understand and what is the truth that the world wants us to understand and where do we stay? Well, we started talking a little bit about it today. We're not done. We'll keep talking, but uh, we'll see what God does at our next, uh, next visit. Thanks for joining in.